0: Hello and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 250. I'm Kip Clark and joining me in the studio today for this quarter of a thousand episodes and for the very first time is my father, Chuck Clark.
1: Hi Kip, it's a privilege and honor to be invited to participate in your wonderful podcast and I'm looking forward to responding to your topic today.
0: Well, I'm very glad to have you here for the third entry in a series I've entitled A Pale Blue Launch. And these series of interviews feature guests like yourself, who I've asked to come up with a list of five objects they would send in a hypothetical space capsule or postcard from Earth to a potential alien audience. What would you like to represent our species or our planet to those who've never visited and do not know us? and anticipating that folks might come up with similar objects, I've added a stipulation that for each episode, there has to be a shared quality for those five objects so that you as guests are forced to be a bit creative and also so that individual episodes aren't too identical. Now, each guest comes up with a stipulation for the next, and Wade, who was required to come up with five objects that had to contain or be made of wood, said that you, or the next guest, would be confined by weight because launching objects into space isn't terribly cheap and weight increases that expense. He didn't specify what weight, and that was a challenge for me, but I thought in anticipation of the 250th episode, it might be wise to have my father on, and what more reasonable weight for him to think of than the combined birth weights of my brother and I, who respectively weighed 7.7 and I came in at 9.5 pounds at birth. So dad, amongst your five objects, in whatever order you'd like, I told you that the weight could not exceed 17.2 pounds.
1: Upon first learning of your topic, I immediately started thinking about stuff that I'd like to send within the 17.2 pound limit, and immediately started coming up with a, a list of things that I'd love to be able to send to another world. And then I got to thinking, what would I like to receive if some other world sent us a similar package? And that might help instruct me as to what I ought to send others based upon what I would like to receive. So if I were going to get 17 pounds worth of something from an external world, what would I want it to contain? And then I've decided to use that as the basis for my suggested list. And I've divided it into several categories. The first category is some kind of instructions as to how to receive, open, and process the contents of this package from another world. In other words, it floats down with a parachute or retro rockets or somehow or other someone finds it somewhere on Earth. And maybe there are dangerous elements of this package that if they weren't opened correctly it could blow up or exhaust poisonous gases. Or there could be biological elements of threat that ought to be sterilized or processed to be safe. So my first category is easily accessed instructions to the recipients, how do you open this package? In what order? Are there any dangerous elements to opening the package? Or if it's opened incorrectly, might the contents be damaged or whatever? So some kind of easily understood instructions would be important. One of my immediate thoughts was some kind of symbolic Ikea-type instruction, which doesn't really rely on language, but uses symbology and pictograms to lead one to put the round peg in the round hole and connect it to the square bar that goes into the square fitting and so on. The other thing that I would hope to find is some kind of a useful machine or mechanism that would allow a content that's either digital or recorded of some sort to be able to be replayed in a manner in which earthlings could understand and appreciate it. They're not going to be speaking the king's English for sure, but maybe their visual fields do not process the same light frequencies that our eyes have evolved to perceive. And maybe if they use sound, maybe their hearing methods aren't sensitive to the same frequencies that we're used to. So I'm not assuming that we're going to suddenly get a a Blu-ray disc of a movie that they've produced that we'll be able to see and hear without some further translation. But it would be nice if it included, and I'll get to this in my list of what I would like to have as content, but what I'd like to have as a utility is some form of producing music, sounds, pictures that we would be able to uh, understand and use. And then finally, I guess a summary of how the information included is stored, how it needs to be decoded or released or processed so that hopefully we would be able to appreciate it as best we could. And then finally, maybe a comprehensive inventory of everything that was in the package.
0: I really appreciate all of that, especially the acknowledgement that we as human beings have sensory inputs or abilities that differ from other organisms. I'm often fascinated by insects and other creatures on Earth that perceive ultraviolet light or different spectra that we don't. And I think you're wise also to bring up sound and how different frequencies might be perceived across the galaxy or universe in which this capsule is sent. I also really love, as may have been true for previous guests, that your first thought was what you'd like to receive if there were a 17.2 pound package that arrived on Earth. And I think that's a wise way to ground the topic and give you a sense of how you'd like to proceed from there. So with that, I'm curious to hear what your first object is.
1: Well, I told you, Kip, that there were several categories into which I segregated the process that I was going to use to select contents, and you've jumped to my last category. I have an intermediate category, so I've covered how I would like to find instructions as to open the package and understand its contents, perhaps understand methodologies for decoding the contents, and so on. The next category that I came up with, and probably the most interesting to your audience, is what would I like to learn from the contents? What is it that I'd like to see or hear about or learn about from whoever sent this? My first immediate thought or question was, where did it come from? Who or what entity sent it? Why did they send it? And when did they send it? And did they send it to Earth intentionally, or was it just cast about on the ocean like a bottle with a message, and it just ended up drifting into our orbit, and we found it? Obviously, who sent it becomes very important. And as you have introduced me to some wonderful digital games, including Mass Effect, there was a uh, society of entirely mechanical robotic creatures called the Geth. That certainly could have created and sent a package. So I would not necessarily assume that these are biological. Whoever sent it could be either a cyborg or completely mechanical computer entities. Then I'd go through a list in my mind of things like how long do you live? What is your lifespan? Or do you have one? Do you have multiple genders? Do you reproduce? And if so, how? What are the bases upon which the entity that you represent continue through time? What do you use for energy? Do you eat food? Do you collect solar energy from a nearby star or other sources of energy? I'm also familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of essential needs of humans, which has to do with shelter, clothing, food. So do you need shelter? And if so, what types of shelters do you live in? Is there a broad range of shelters for different needs and purposes? Do you live in close-knit, condensed communities, or are you dispersed? Then I had some questions about, what's your life like? Do you have days and nights? In other words, are you on a planet that rotates like ours? Do you need sleep? And if so, how long? How often? Do you have periods of work and periods of rest? And maybe, like most humans, we have both, but that's not necessarily an assumption that I would make. And I earlier said, how do you gain energy if it's food? How often do you eat food? Do you forage for it? Do you farm? Where do you find the food? Do you have to cultivate it or just go by luck? I'm also interested in the seasons. Our Earth circles our sun every 365 days. And we have four seasons as a consequence. Do you have large bodies of water? Or is there no water? Or is it all water and no land surface? How many cultures or races are there? And how many languages are there? What do you do for fun or entertainment? Does everyone or most cultures get along well? Or are there violent contests, wars? How do you govern yourselves? Are there different types of political systems or is there one common approach for governing the entire population? Do you have problems with crime? Do you have police? What kinds of creative things have your group created? Have you written literature or have you created any great music? How about paintings, graphic arts, movies? How do you get around? How do you travel? Do you travel? Are there multiple planets amongst which you travel, or are you stuck on one planet? I'm assuming a planet, but it could be a spacecraft. And how about religions? Do you believe in any gods, afterlife? So, Kip, now we enter into my last category, which is what I would like to include in this 17.2-pound package. You did not specify whether we knew where we were sending it or not, but to my knowledge, We have discovered thousands and thousands of exoplanets in our galaxy. And I'm assuming we're restricting this to a galactic enterprise because intergalactic time would be so many thousands and thousands of light years that it doesn't make sense. So I'm assuming it's going to go somewhere in the galaxy. And maybe we aim it intentionally at an exoplanet that we found that seems to have the characteristics closest to those we enjoy here on Earth. But I don't think that's necessarily important in my criteria. So the first content would be a textbook of linguistic art and science that would be as comprehensive as possible, that would allow the recipients to somehow or other make sense of the contents, most of which are going to be written in the King's English, I've learned enough about linguistics to know that some languages are based on words, some are based on paragraphs or symbols of multiple meanings. Our language is based on words. We use 26 letters, five or six vowels, and maybe there's a textbook somewhere that could be included that is a guide to understanding all these funny characters that you're going to see.
0: An obvious fan of language myself, I'm appreciative of the fact that that is the first object. I'm curious to know if this book would be, and let's assume infinite resources for this project, freshly written by authors and editors that you've determined if it's a conglomeration of previous texts, if it's a dictionary combined with something else. You had mentioned linguistic arts, I believe, and sciences. And I'd be curious to hear an elaboration or explanation of the first category.
1: I recently finished a wonderful, wonderful book written by a linguist who was researching a lost language that had never been deciphered in a small island off of Crete. Centuries, or certainly decades, of researchers have been puzzled by this unusual and previously undeciphered language, and this linguist Describes her process in researching and ultimately unraveling and discovering the meanings. And this was not hieroglyphics, this was something even more unusual. And the way she went about deciphering it convinced me that it's possible to figure out what things mean, even if you don't know where to start. And that to me was almost as much art as science. It's not like a chemistry formula. It takes a lot of intuition, it takes a lot of human insight, and it also takes an understanding of the culture, likely present at the time the writings were undertaken, so you can guess what some of the meanings might be. I don't know of a textbook that describes the methodology, but I suspect there is one extent, and I would find the best and most useful one I could, and to the extent that that didn't exist, I would enlist a couple linguists to create it.
0: It all sounds good to me, and I also appreciate the story about this book from Crete. What's your second object in this parcel or package?
1: The second object is a wonderful, wonderful gift that I received from you. It's a book called The Universe that was a text that you used at Kenyon, and you brought it home and said, Dad, you might be interested in this. And I read it cover to cover, and it's an absolutely wonderful summary of our galaxy, including where the Earth is, how it is situated in our solar system, but I think it even explains where our solar system sits within our galaxy. So that answers the question of where did our package come from, which is Earth. It shows where in the galaxy, what planet in our solar system. I think it also alludes to the time. I mentioned I'd like to know when this was sent. So we would be sending this package in our Christian year 2020, which would be of no meaning to a recipient. But I do think, and this is included in the textbook universe, we have a pretty good idea that the Big Bang occurred 14.4 billion years ago. So basically, we are sending this package 14.4 billion years after the Big Bang, because it could take a billion years to be found. And the text also includes wonderful descriptions of astronomical science, including temperature scales, how we use the wavelength of hydrogen to determine temperatures of stars and space, microwave background radiation, and it gives a very, very excellent summary of our
0: galaxy. Perhaps because I don't have as much of a scientific background as you or other people in my life, that might be why I find this so fascinating. And I really enjoyed the college course I took, which of course produced this textbook and then allowed me to give it to you. So I believe it was published, or at least would have been current, around 2013. And what I find most fascinating relates to some of your earliest comments about what you'd like to receive if you received a mysterious package from space. And I think about the fact that this package, sent 14.4 billion years after the Big Bang, could arrive at a hypothetical civilization anywhere along its development. They could be in their version of the Stone Age. And my mind is captivated by that fact and all of the knowledge housed within this textbook because I wonder if and how they would even apply its knowledge. Would they be able to appreciate information like the redshift of light and determine where they are in the galaxy based on the visual perception of movement within our cosmos? But most fundamentally, I would like to know if there is astronomical knowledge or information that could benefit cultures that may not yet be spacefaring, common criticism of nasa or any space program around the world in the 21st century is that we still have problems as a society however technologically advanced we might be i would retort that a lot of wonderful developments have come out of nasa here in america and our space program but i think that's been because of engineering and scientific innovation and so dad i would ask you if you think there are pieces of knowledge about our galaxy Our cosmos and our universe that could benefit folks who may not yet have a space program or even engine technology? Are there pieces of data that could help them live healthier, happier, or more fulfilling lives?
1: That's a long list of questions and concerns that I think would require more than five items. The next item in my list will address many of your questions. That is a book called Sapiens. It's written by a history professor, and it summarizes the entire evolution of our species, Homo sapiens. And he does a wonderful job starting with the earliest evidence of Homo erectus and early, early ancestors of our species. And he summarizes the evolution through all phases to today, including problems and issues, many of which you were addressing, and what Homo sapiens has done about it, and as importantly, those issues or problems or concerns that Homo sapiens have yet to be able to address adequately. So that is my third entry, and it addresses who sent it, which is us, Homo sapiens, not robots and not Neanderthals but Homo sapiens. And it does a wonderful, wonderful job answering that question as to who sent it.
0: What I really value about that is the long arm of history. I think you were wise when posing many hypothetical questions about interstellar packages, some of which were, do you have a lifespan? How do you reproduce? Do you need shelter? One of my favorite of these questions regards lifespan. Because human beings are not only biologically constrained by our lifespans, but I think rather short-sighted in our conception of history and our understandings of things. And some of my favorite pieces of insights about dealing with emotions or conflict or any other aspect of the human texture of existence is that we should consider if topic X or issue Y will be relevant in one year, in five years, or even in 10 years. And often when I've had the patience to sit down with that idea, I recognize how quickly life moves. And I love Sapiens as a gift, as an item in this package, because I think that however brief or long a human life may be, the span of human history and our evolution is a story worth telling, both in the lessons learned, in the difficulties encountered, and hopefully, as I suspect is the case, the successes that Sapiens catalogs and gets into And I also really love that it describes problems we haven't solved and are still dealing with. I can't possibly envision the technology that would allow this, but what if a benevolent alien species who received this package read that section of the book and thought, well, we've solved that problem. We can send a solution back to them. Or we can somehow travel to their planet, which we could find, and assist them with this thing they may still be struggling with. I recognize, of course, in the time span of interstellar travel, and mail in this case, that it might be far past our species' extinction or existence, or perhaps we've migrated away from Earth by the time this package is received, but I do really love sapiens. And what a huge compliment to Professor Harari that you would want to send his book, which I'm holding in my hand right now, and I intend to read at some point. I appreciate your high recommendation of it.
1: So now on to my fourth object. It has to do with an explanation of all of our flora and fauna throughout our world, which helps to answer some of the questions that I had. What is it like where you live? Are there oceans? Are there fish, birds, flying creatures? What kind of foliage, trees, grasses, and whatnot? And another wonderful text from Kenyon called Biological Sciences would be my fourth object in the package.
0: And before I share my response to that, Dad, in front of you, you currently have that textbook open, which I'm sure has future editions, and you're looking at the table of contents, and I'm curious to know if you were to place a sticky note or a marker to say, begin here, or you'll really enjoy this chapter, Are there one or two chapters that really call out to you being of particular value or scientific enthusiasm in categorizing the flora and fauna of our planet?
1: In perusing the what's called brief contents, I can't really agree it's brief. It includes about every topic you could imagine in biology. But let me read you the subsections of Unit One Water and Carbon, the Chemical Basis of Life. As we know it, both carbon and water are essential to our form of biological life, may not be present at the recipient's location. The second section is protein structure and function. You and I wouldn't be sitting here without proteins, and we couldn't reproduce without the third section, which is nucleic acids, DNA, and the RNA world, which is responsible for producing the proteins. The next section is an introduction to carbohydrates, which most of us find necessary for our energy. And then finally, the section on lipids, membranes, and the first cells, again, of which we are comprised. I could go on and read all of the chapter headings and sub-chapters, and it would take me an hour. But to give you an appreciation, the second chapter is on cell structure and function. The next chapter on gene structure and expression. Then goes on to developmental biology. And interestingly, I asked earlier, do you reproduce? That's a question I'd like to know. We do. We don't live forever. And if we didn't reproduce, our species would be extinct. So that section is pretty important. The next section is on diversification of life. And the headings there I will list because it's quite amazing to think. Bacteria and archaea, protists, algae, land plants, fungi, protosome animals, deuterosome animals, and viruses.
0: And of course, the final units in here, these other subheadings, how plants work, then unit eight, how animals work, and finally, unit nine, ecology. And what I find interesting is if we assume that the organisms or civilizations who receive this textbook open it and read the brief contents, however false a title that may be, I sure hope they read in a similar way that we do in English text. Because even on planet Earth, there are texts that do not read from top left to bottom right, scrolling left to right gradually line by line. And I wonder what their experience would be of understanding our planet or maybe coming to new biological understandings of their own if they started elsewhere and didn't read in a format that we did.
1: Well, therein lies the importance of my first item, which is the linguistic guide to help whoever receives this understand the logic of the way we convey information via the written word. And so that leads me to object number five, the one that I think is the most exciting and important, and that is, how do we have fun? How do we entertain ourselves? I do think that it's one of the most marvelous elements of Homo sapiens is that we can laugh and we can enjoy things. And it ranges through a huge, huge spectrum. But my fifth object in an attempt to answer that would be a very powerful laptop computer loaded with enough music, movies, YouTube clips, cooking instructions, perhaps restaurant reviews that would allow the recipient to gain a broad, in-depth understanding of these elements of our culture.
0: Well, as this is your final, and I would agree a very powerful and pivotal object, I am going to press you and ask, what are some songs, movies, you'd mention laughter, so any comedic material, that have brought you joy, as subjective and personal as it might be?
1: Well, first, I would like to thank you for not challenging me as to how the recipients are going to learn how to power up and use a laptop because they may never have seen one before and they may not have a source of 12 volt direct current electricity with which to power it. I only have five items, so I was going to say we could include some kind of a solar array that could power it, but that would be six items. In any event, maybe we have a long, long life battery that we can load Hopefully, they'll figure out how to run it. So, to answer your question, as far as music goes, the most impactful music I've ever experienced is Beethoven and some of his symphonies that just capture some essence that I can't even begin to describe. Powerful, powerful emotions, very, very pleasurable. I know it's just classic, but I also enjoy many, many other forms of music. But if I had to list a hierarchy, that would come first. Of course, it's not just Beethoven, but dozens and dozens of wonderful, wonderful composers. I like rock. Led Zeppelin is a favorite of mine. I like country music and many other subsets that are enjoyable and they're easy to pick and choose from.
0: So to have a bit more fun, and I won't keep torturing you with this final object, Let's assume that these aliens have powered on the laptop successfully, but, like certain individuals I won't name, might have trouble figuring out modern human symbology when it comes to navigating a computer, its graphical user interface. You and I, for the longest time, have used PCs powered by Windows operating systems, and one of us eventually made the jump to Mac operating systems as well, But let's assume these aliens don't have quite the understanding we do and would struggle to navigate. And I'll say for simplicity's sake, on the desktop of this computer, you have folders for songs, and then movies, and then comedic videos of some sort. Is there a folder you'd most hope they click on if they were not smart enough to figure out that all three, and others I haven't named, would feature valuable content? assuming they had only one path in my hypothetical philosophical circumstance.
1: I need to share with your audience that I know some Homo sapiens who would never find the correct folders, and even if they did, would probably not be able to figure out how to open them or play the contents of the folders. So I would not rely on any recipient being able to do that. I would design this laptop with a switch that turns it on when you open the cover and immediately plays a list of contents without having to be selected. So the recipient opens the cover, the thing turns on, and suddenly there's sound and video on the screen, and I would have it all listed and punched together. So it would be automatic play.
0: Well, I think that's wise of you, and I appreciate your acknowledgement that not all computers are as intuitive as they could be for every user. Now, finally, before I hear your stipulation for the next guest on this series, I'd love to know if you have a favorite of these objects. Let's assume somehow space pirates attack this object mid-flight and scavenge four of its five pieces of content. What's the one thing you hope would, no matter what, make it to its destination?
1: I think the laptop, because it provides uh, content of our culture, things that we enjoy, that we find entertaining and would be the most important, from my perspective, to share with some recipient.
0: I think what I actually love most about your list, though, are the things that are not the laptop. A, because it requires electricity, but B, and of course, previous episodes couldn't have easily included books, the fact that you include texts, which I think are so beautiful in their ability to capture the vast amounts of knowledge that we as a species have cultivated, And I really love, despite the fact that they are a tad heavy, that they would allow you to transport what feels like millennia of information in a capsule that would only carry at max 17.2 pounds of cargo. And the following is being recorded after the episode, but for curiosity's sake, I wanted to weigh all of the objects that you had chosen, Dad, and those calculations came out in the following way. The textbook, The Universe, came out to about 2.9 pounds. The book, Sapiens, comes to about 2.1. The Biological Science textbook comes to about 6.1 pounds. And for the laptop, I chose to substitute my 2015 MacBook Air. There's a good chance that a lighter model will come around, but that weighed about 3 pounds, by my calculations. Now, at this point, those four objects total about 14.1 pounds. And for your hypothetical book on linguistic arts and sciences, I chose to weigh two tomes that you have in your library of books, first being the American College Dictionary, fourth edition, and the other, published by Spinrad and Spinrad, is the Speaker's Lifetime Library. Now, these two books weighed together came out to about seven pounds. So while I'll allow it this time, by technicality, The total of your five objects did come to 21.1 pounds. But either way, I was very grateful to have you as a guest, and I appreciate the time and effort you put into preparing all of this. And now, Dad, before we conclude this episode, I want to know what the next guest should prepare for in the fourth episode of A Pale Blue Launch.
1: My challenge to the next guest is to choose five items of clothing.
0: Well, I find that very interesting, and I want to clarify so they aren't too caught up. Would you count a pair of socks or maybe a pair of shoes as two items or one?
1: I think you're the final judge and jury on that question, but if it were up to me, I think that it would be appropriate to count a pair of shoes as one item or gloves or socks. But a business suit might be stretching it, particularly if it has a vest.
0: I think that's a fair qualification to make and dad for taking the time and also going through this philosophical exercise for the sake of the podcast. I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you very much.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. My father's is only one voice, and I'm always curious to hear what other people think of these objects or how they might have answered the weight question. If you have kids of your own, maybe go with their joint birth weight or go with 17.2 pounds and feel free to reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon. Where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes and pre-show recordings. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.